0: you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much.
1: I think one of the things that, that came up, Glenn, as you're you were talking, was this idea of belief and, and and Barb, David, you guys there before we jump in.
2: I'm so here. I,
3: of course
1: okay so here's the question that starts the hour i think as long as it's okay with the great and powerful barbara majeski take it away what comes first what comes first here's the question what comes first belief or is it the work so what's interesting is as glenn was talking right um, belief is so powerful we all know it to be that way but truth be told a lot of you believe and still haven't done the work so what comes first I, i'm kind of i'm kind of curious what you guys thoughts on that
2: first of all you got to believe in yourself i i i'm going to ask the question right back to you but i really i and glenn that was outstanding so thank you for sharing that with us i think we all need a little kick in the rear to get in gear uh especially on a monday like let's get in the right uh let's get the momentum going um but if you don't believe it, you'll never achieve it. And I am a poet, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> Morning, everybody. That I was yeah, fired. <laughs> I I every every single masterclass that I host, every single one, I start with you know the checkup from the neck up because without belief, you have nothing. You're fighting against the tide. You have to see it and that way you can move in that direction. It's, it's That is the first and most important step. And then the momentum starts from there. What What are your thoughts, Raylan? That's an interesting question.
1: David, David go ahead. Okay.
3: Um, you know, this is an interesting question because the uh, proverbial chicken or the egg, um, because somebody could put in the work. There are people that put in the work um, for a lifetime, Raylan and do not have belief. Um, And there are people that have uh, some sort of belief, uh, but they're not necessarily willing to put in the work. But I need to side with Barb, not just because I fear her greatly, um, but because of the fact... (laughs) And that that you should. (laughs) Yes, as we all should. But because I believe she's right. I mean, I know this, um, and there's actually a, a term for it um, that I've shared with people. It's it's um, self-efficacy, right? Self-efficacy is one's belief in their ability to make something happen. And the reason why that is uh, uh, important to know as a term is that whether we know it or not or believe this or not, Humans typically will never pursue anything that they do not have self efficacy. They don't believe they can make happen because um, that saves their sanity, it saves their ego, it saves their self esteem. So, what happens is if we believe in something deeply, we will go after it typically with all of our heart and soul. If we don't, uh, aka New Year's resolution, we will throw something out loosely, kind of give it a shot, and have that New Year's resolution ending where 90% uh, die on the vine within three weeks. So I have to believe that that belief is everything. And if you do believe in yourself, then uh, you're much more likely to pursue something, to be deeply committed to it, to have the discipline required, to have the passion required, and to have the ability to sustain—that's my take.
4: I'm going to chime in if that's okay, Raylan. Glenn, that's a great question. Of course, and then we'll hear from you. Um, I can align with what Barbara and David are sharing, and with that said, I do believe my belief is that there are times in our life where we just need to start and do the work. Confidence comes from competence. So sometimes it's hard to believe you can achieve a certain level before you start doing the work. Like, as we experience things, we get more competent. And with that competence comes our competence, right? Example, one of my children, I like to use my children as examples because I'm an expert at children. (laughs) but like Caroline, right? Caroline, our, our most recent walker. I'm not sure that she believed she would be running and jumping and all of those things. I'm not sure that she believed that, but as she started to pull herself up, as she started to figure out the logistics of being able to walk, as she started to develop the muscles to be able to walk, right? That walk soon became a run and now it's becoming little hops and, and she's continuing to progress because she put in the work. She fell down multiple times, right? And she got back up. She fell down and she got back up and she fell down and she got back up. And now she has more confidence to stretch that walk to a run, to a hop, to a what'll later be a bike ride and a driving of a car and a talking on a stage and a, and a working at a job, right? Like all of those things will come so I think there are many areas of our life where we just have to start even though we don't necessarily believe it can take us to the highest mountain or the, the top of the mountain we just have to take those first steps.
3: Hey Glenn, but but your your uh, this is an important one. Um this is something I've I've studied a lot and studied in humans a lot and people a lot. And that is you know when kids are between the age of uh call it four and eight, um, four and nine, maybe four and ten, they have unwavering belief. They actually believe they could fly to the moon. they believe they could be present, they believe they could do anything. they believe they have they're irrepressible. they've got unlimited energy, and the energy uh, interestingly is to a degree fueled by that belief. Um, as you know, like I, I will say about my kids, they're either in tornado, hurricane mode, or they're asleep. But when they're awake, they believe they could do anything. Funny thing happens we go to school and we go to school to get educated. And we do to varying degrees. We get educated, but we also get affected um, because there are teachers out there that um, are more interested, more focused on you standing in a line coloring in the lines, having your desk in a line, um, and they're interested in structure because they want control. They want to have circumstances that are conducive to allowing them to teach, not malintent, but in the course of your academic career, what happens is oftentimes you've heard the term breaking a kid's spirit. That simply means you're breaking that belief. And most kids, by the time they get through high school, or certainly into college, they go from believing in what they want to doing what they need to do. And it's a really interesting transformation when you study it. And once they believe that they're destined to just do what they need to do, then belief tends to wane um, and they tend to lose that, that energy. They, you'll see it literally. You'll see people with less energy. You'll see them with less conviction. You'll see them with less passion. They almost seem sometimes defeated. You could see it in a 20-year-old. You could see it in a six-year-old. Not everybody, but you'll see it where they're just falling in line doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, when I'm in the coaching class working with these really wonderful people that have come in, they they have the power. They have the ability. They have the intellect. Um, But what they need, um, I really believe, is the belief in themselves to be able to pursue everything it is that they hope to get so they can have the life that they deserve, the life they dreamt of. So I, I agree with you. Now, the thing that's interesting is a kid doesn't know any better when they're learning to walk. They're just doing something because they're so motivated. They wanna get up and go somewhere and they're tired of basically being the equivalent of second base and just laying on the ground. So I don't know, I, I think it's a really interesting uh, point. And um, Barb, what's your thoughts?
2: Well, what I love talking about like kids learning how to walk is they see other people doing it and they never question whether they can or they can't. They're, they're exactly. just like, I'm going to be able to I'm going to do it. And I think somewhere through time we just start building these ide- you know ideas of what we can and cannot do. And we can choose to believe that we are worthy of opportunity, success, happiness, love or we can choose not to believe. It's within our jurisdiction. And I remember, you know, when I decided in high school that I was not going to be poor. <laughs> I decided And I know that's crass and I just, I'm trying to find what better ways to articulate it and I just can't seem to find it. But I did, I decided in high school that I wanted to be successful and wealthy. And you guys know, I really wanted to be able to take care of my younger brother with special needs so he'd never be institutionalized. And I had determined the only way to keep him out of an institution and off the government, out of the government, um, you know, on that track was that I had to be extraordinary, well, extraordinarily wealthy. And I did not come from that. From, I didn't come from that. I didn't know any of that. My parents lost their cars and we had no cars and then they lost their home and we all got scattered across the United States. I had a choice and my choice, I only, you know, I had the choice to believe that I could figure out how to make myself wealthy enough to take care of my brother or i could choose to say oh you know what i wasn't born that way so i just i just was born with the unlucky stick i was born with that not the silver spoon but the no spoon and this these are my my circumstances and i just have to learn to accept it that is a decision not a condition but because i was so compelled to decide to i was so scared that my brother would be institutionalized that i actually as much as i can say i had a choice I don't feel like the universe gave me a choice. The universe was like, nope, you got to go figure this out. And I say this all the time. I'm I'm not the brightest person in any room, but I'll outwork (laughs) you. I'll I'll stay the course. I'll I'll keep. I will never give up. I will never. I am relentless until I figure it out. And. Those are all decisions. I like, there's nothing about me that's very special. There's just nothing, I mean, uh, you know, other than my relentless nature to figure it out and, and be in the pursuit of what I think I'm, I'm worthy of achieving. And that's what I like sharing. And I love this conversation.
1: Hey, Barbara, this is Ramon. Can I ask a follow up? Hey, yeah. again, thank you so much. I was curious, Barbara, uh, do you think that if your brother uh, unfortunately was not the way he was or is, that you wouldn't have had that desire. So my point being, maybe the way to word it as you're looking for it wasn't so much you didn't want to be poor, it was because the circumstances, I never want this to happen. What I'm trying to get to is, you had something pushing you, feeding you, you know, the pain or whatever you want to call it was so much, you said, I have to find a solution. So that's just what I'm looking at. If if you weren't in that situation, maybe you would be poor right now.
2: We wouldn't know Barbara. Ramon, I say it all the time. I say the greatest gift I was ever given was the gift of purpose. And that purpose was to provide for him at an extraordinary level because it gave me no backdoor, no quit, no other options. And in any pursuit of anything that I ever wanted to do, I always wanted to quit at some point. There was always a break a breaking point where I'm, I was I was tired, I was lost in the sauce, I was not motivated, I was distracted. I saw other shiny objects in my side view, in my periphery that that distracted me and moved me off that mark. And every single time I wanted to quit, I always thought if I quit, I can't take care of Steven. And it gave me no backdoor. So I doubt I would. Ha- hey, listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. You can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to TheMorningFive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Uh, the, the, The voice, I don't know where I would be. And it was when I was in that darkness of chemo in 2016 that I always see, but prior to that, I thought, oh, it was always me taking care of Steven. I gotta take care of Steven, I gotta come through, I gotta make money, I gotta I gotta do this, I gotta advocate for him, I gotta speak for him, I've gotta be his legal guardian, I gotta take care of him, take care of him, take care of him. And it was in that this moment of like, I, I don't think I'm gonna survive this cancer, this chemo is getting the best of me. That I was like, well, thank God I always was taking care of Stephen because it always led me through adversity to continue my pursuit and finish what I start. That it was in that moment that I realized it was never me, it was never me who took care of Stephen. Never, not once, no. It was always Stephen taking care of me. Stephen gave me the greatest gift that anybody could be given, and that is the gift of purpose. And the reason I continue to share the stories, number one, I survived cancer. And number two is that we all have been gifted great purpose. That is a universal truth. All of us have great purpose and we have been given opportunities to serve, give back and help those around us. But sometimes we just can't see it. So you know, I I appreciate that question because I do know that I would have quit everything that I started and I would, have, I would never be where I am today without that gift. And I will spend the rest of my life living in the knowingness that I have been granted um, the, you know, the greatest opportunity everybody's been granted. And um, that's what I do. I use my voice to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. So thanks Ramon, I hope that answered that question.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny Barb. So I was thinking about this again a lot for the last like week or so. And it's, it seems to me like a lot of people believe in others more than believe in themselves. I feel like that's, that's, you could say that's true for a lot of people, I won't say everybody. And I met with, I got a really fortunate opportunity yesterday. I got to meet with my fifth grade teacher. He came out to Arizona and we actually had lunch. My fifth grade teacher, the last time that I saw him, one of the last times I saw him, i we were evicted from our house and i ran from my house over i've told the story before so i'll make it short but I, i came home all of my personal belongings toys clothes everything was on the front lawn and because it's michigan because my life at this time was like a movie it literally started pouring rain and so i ran to school and saw my teacher mr cop and he grabbed some tarp from his house and met me at my house and covered everything for me and I think the more important thing he did for me in that moment, he actually n- didn't tell anybody about it. He treated me like everybody else, and, and we literally never talked about it again. That was like the greatest gift in the world. But yesterday when I was talking to him, he said, Raylan, um, you always believed in yourself, and I think that's why you're so successful. Truth was, I did not ever <laughs> believe in myself. Again, like like how I grew up. I was like, there's just no way. But yet and still once like freshman year came became a straight a student went on to do do things that that i'm super proud of today so my point is uh my buddy eric reed who's, who's on the stage he he messaged me here and, and talked about this idea of borrowed belief and it was so per it was so perfect the, the 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 way that he did me this because again I, this is what i was thinking about i didn't have any belief in myself instead i believed everyone around me now granted being around the right people is incredibly important for this to work, obviously. But I just happened to be around people that believed in me more than I believed in me, and I just did the work. Now, what happened over time was the belief came, and then I had a seed of a belief. Now, this is not a huge, big, audacious belief where it's like I could take over the world. I could be, you know, uh, you know, be worth billions of dollars. That's not my belief. My belief is I can figure anything out. It's a small belief. But that belief is a domino effect for everything that I do. And so when I think about it, I, I'll give another kind of point of view. Tap your mic if, if, if you're a church goer in here. I'm just kind of curious. Okay, we got it. We got a few. Okay, so the, the thing that I thought about was one or two things, really. One, when you were born, just did you know about your God, your particular God, your particular religion? No, you did the work, though. And if you're like, you know, my family, you were dragged to church. And when you fell asleep, you got pinched on the leg. And and you did that enough times. And eventually, the more you learned and the more work you did, cause I'm, I'm sorry to say this, don't get mad at me people, but the church that I went to, I'll say that, was work. It was like four or five hours long. It was so like long, <laughs> especially as a kid, that was work for me. And then over time, you start to believe. And what's interesting is, your belief for some people grows stronger as time goes on. Why? Because the more work you do, it's almost like lifting weights, right? If you're constantly repping out whatever amount you're doing, if you go up a little bit, well, I believe that I could do it. Why? Because I've done the work. And so for me, the work is belief important, incredibly important, but can you do the work and not believe in over time, believe and still get better results. And the other thing I'll throw in, obviously, you cannot, I, cannot it's a strong word, but, but it's my belief that you cannot have just one and make it to a certain level. You have to have both at some point, right? Like, there, I don't think there's very many people that just don't believe in themselves. But again, I find it super interesting that some people that I talk to and, and some people that I, I consider to be highly successful in what they do, experts in what they do, they don't often think about, yeah, I, I believed that I could do this. No, they just kind of did it. And over time, if you ask them, hey, could you do another thing? They're like, yeah. Well, why do you believe that? Well, it's because I did the work. And so, I, I, when I the reason I think about this because I, I think about the people in the audience that maybe have no belief in themselves, that don't know that they could do it, that that has evidence to prove that maybe they can't, right? And for them, I don't think you spend time trying to warm yourself up and jazz yourself up and say yeah i can i believe i could do it or for them i honestly believe the my my thing that helped me was man, i just did the thing and if i got a bad grade or if i failed at a business opportunity or if i screwed up on a speech or whatever i just wouldn't did it again and i think and again my my belief you could call it wasn't a positive one it was a negative one but i made it a positive one which is I believed that I was too dumb to know I can't do something. That was the only thing. It's like, I don't think about it too much. I just go and do it. I do it enough times. I get good. And then later on, belief comes. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, again, that's uh, that's interesting. I have to say two things first. Um, you know, I can't speak for all churches, but... When a church is five hours long, that almost it sounds like a cult, buddy, um, not, not a church. Um, but uh, I've never and I, I was raised Catholic and was an altar boy and went to Latin mass and we had to go yeah, to regular yeah we, we did Baptist in Church in Detroit. Baptist Church in Detroit <laughs> is oh yeah. a long one, bro. <laughs> no, that's man, that's different. The second thing I'll say is uh, the chances of me meeting up with my fifth grade teacher are probably slim and none since my fifth grade teacher's probably a a wee bit over 100 by now (laughs) for me at my age. Um, So that's very fortunate. Anytime any of us have the opportunity to reach back out or connect with people that had such a positive influence and impact on us is incredibly powerful, but it's also considerate. it's respectful. I think that's such a cool thing that you got to do that. And you know, listen. I think that we could conjecture all day long about about this, but you know, the reality is, um, you know, there's that there's that great uh, quote that somebody made up. God knows who it was. But what would you do? What would any of us do if we believe that there is no chance that we could fail? What does that life look like, right? Versus a life of well, all you have to do is put in the work, just put in the work, go to work every day, put in the work. You know, I've, I've made the mistake at times in saying, Hey, you know, I've become very successful because I've worked very hard. And I stopped saying that it's not that I don't work hard. Of course I do. I worked very hard, but so does everybody else. There are people that work very hard in one job and then go to another job and work very hard. And they go to a third job on the weekends and they work very hard and they don't have the opportunities they don't ever have the ability they're putting in the work can do they believe in their ability to do job one yeah they do it every day they could do it in their sleep do they have the belief that they could do job two? absolutely they could do it in their sleep and yet they live lives of You know, as the quote says, they either live lives in anonymity. Uh, They live lives sometimes of just, uh, as the quote says, quiet desperation. They live lives to where they seem forever um, pursuing or chasing something that's not, they'll say it's not in the cards for me. It's just not, you'll hear people say that. You know, David, I work hard. Just, I guess it's not in the cards for me. And so, you know. There's, I don't have any issues with anything that you're saying in particular, but I do know this. Find me somebody, that any of us, whether we know them personally or not, who has or who is is living an extraordinary life. You, Barb, Glenn, uh, anybody on the stage, anybody. Dora Maria, T.M. Monica, you asked Monica, hey, Monica, what happened to your life once you started to really have belief that you could do something that would be transformative in your life? I don't know anybody in my 62 years on this earth that has or is living an extraordinary life where it's not rooted in having belief in their ability to make something happen. And so with this great chicken and the egg question that you started out with, you know, in fact, in my coaching call, I teach people things every two weeks. You want to learn how to raise money. I could do that. You want to learn how to start a company? Yeah, I got that. You want marketing? Yeah, we got that sales negotiations, how to become a power networker. Yep. Got that. But you know, it occurred to me, okay, well, maybe we need to go back to square one because you could teach somebody every single class in every single discipline. But again, if they don't have the belief, what's going to happen is people who have belief, they do spring out of bed. You know, Glenn calls it the morning five. But I call people, you ever notice something, everybody? You ever notice something that when you're excited about something the next morning, you wake up before an alarm even goes off. Your brain is programmed that way. You ever wonder why that happens? Even if you have to wake up at four in the morning, boom, you're up. The alarm never went off because you have purpose. Barb said it. You have a purpose-driven life. And that purpose, when it's coupled with belief, is insanely powerful. And if you don't have that, any one of us can work, put in the work, put in the time, put in the effort. But we're going to be left typically without what we really wanted, which is going to be ultimate happiness, sustainable happiness, sustainable success and sustainable fulfillment. So uh, that's my take.
1: Well, David, that's the, that's the part that I wanted to get to. And I'm glad that you got us there. It, it's to me, it's more important to have belief in a purpose. And then second, maybe it's belief in yourself. Because when when we have purpose, that's sometimes it's easier to believe in a in a, in a mission and uh, a per- purpose sometimes more than believing in yourself. Again, I think I, I use church a lot as an example, only because like every, that's something that everyone, some way, shape, or form, can 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 kind of grasp. Sorry, we got a hop mic.
2: Total commitment.
1: Uh, all right, I think I got. It. And
2: I'm checking for it.
1: Oh, I, oh, thank you. Um, but again, church is interesting, right? Because in my opinion, the best marketers in the world and the best salespeople in the world come from church. And and what's interesting is it starts. That's the purpose, right? Like it's the purpose of of spreading the word. Like it, that came first, and then over time you get the the confidence and you get the belief and maybe in yourself. And I think without purpose, that's when you have a situation where you're working at a dead end job and you're unhappy and you're unfulfilled and you're 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 dragging, like David. I was uh, uh, I was talking a while ago. Somebody, believe it or not, I don't know. It's interesting, right? Uh, old friend, I guess. Mentioned to me something about me working on the weekends. Man, why don't you take a break? Like you need to relax more. You got to do whatever. And and in that moment, now granted, I you know maybe you could consider me not the nicest friend in the world. But I said, well, you you clearly don't have like your work isn't your purpose. And that's evident because you want to you want to separate from it. Versus me, like. Again, it's, I'm not saying it's incredibly healthy, but I love what I do. And so, you know, sometimes that belief in that purpose, like another kind of uh, uh, point that I'll, I'll point to is like one of the things I'll, I'll put it up for everybody to go and grab in a little bit, but creating an offer, right? Especially if you're a newer coach or newer entrepreneur, when you're, when you're designing your offer in a way that like can get people jazzed about and they're really interested in, in working with you sometimes when you're creating an offer the way that i create it starts with what problems are you going to solve and then the vehicle comes later like how are you going to do it comes later and people always jump to how how am i going to do this first and i go no so let's start with this and the first thing that comes up is, well i don't know if i could do that I, again you don't need to believe that you could do it or not the first step is go and do the work do the research see if you can fulfill this need here right and then eventually when you do the work you go oh my god this is this is so. Uh, like this could really help people. So my my point is, I, I think if you are lost, again, uh, I'm, this is not for everybody, I, but I know there's somebody in the audience that was like me, that that maybe didn't have that belief in themselves. And I, I wanna help that one person, and maybe it's one person, maybe it's more, realize that if that hasn't been working for you, you believing yourself, giving you affirmations every single day and doing all that, and, and and you're still feeling like you're falling short in your life, you're not going after your purpose, maybe start with, I'm just gonna do one thing today. I'm gonna to do another thing today. Maybe try to tie that thing in with a purpose like David was mentioning, right? Cause when you do have purpose, I think that's what wakes us up in the morning, David. Like I mentioned this actually at our last talk, but it's so profound. Like Marcus Aurelius really is in his meditations talks about how most of us, right? When we wake up in the morning and it's cold outside and we're in a nice warm bed, he talks about this idea that uh he's like having a discussion with himself and he's he's talking to himself saying, Yeah, but is that your purpose? Is your purpose to be comfortable and 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 cozy in your bed? Or is your purpose to get out, explore, challenge
3: yourself, face obstacles? Like that's our purpose. But that's my point. To do that's that. my yeah. whole point. That's my whole point. Listen to what Barb was saying. Life changed, it's so interesting. Sometimes the very things that we think we're being saddled with, we're being strengthened by. The things that we think are happening to us are happening for us. And that was that was a transformative moment. Now there are people in this world, truth be told, that have a Stephen in their life. But they don't they don't embrace it. They don't understand it. They don't they don't look at it with the same amount of passion or conviction or love or whatever you want to call it. And so they have that there, you know, my, my cousin, firefighter, dedicated firefighter up on the fire engine, cleaning the fire engine. And somebody yanks the hose to drag it across the top, to get the hose towards the back to clean it. And as they do it, they trip him. He falls down. If you've ever seen a fire engine, I know you have not that tall. But because it caught him by surprise, he went face first, head first. And before he could try to break his fall and he put his hands down, he, he, uh, broke the bones in both hands. And then the next thing that hit was his head and he broke his neck and this firefighter who also was a member of the SWAT team, next thing you know, I'm going in the hospital, I get the word. Go in the hospital to see Bob, and and that was life. That was in a blink of an eye. Things can change like that. And instead of the guy thinking, "Well, I've been saddled with this," you know what? The very first thing that he said to me, the very first thing, he was worried about the fact that he wasn't going to be able to go to the children's burn camp that he volunteered for all the time. That was the first thing out of the guy's mouth. It wasn't me. Certainly wasn't for me. Well, the guy just finished his ump teeth marathon in a wheelchair, Boston Marathon, and he's become this incredible endurance athlete, and nothing has stopped him. It has fueled him. And when you have that, you know, that is that purpose. That's what gets people out of bed. People with no purpose have no reason to jump out of bed. They have every reason to hit that snooze button. So Barb, do you, do you, do you
2: agree with this? Yeah, I think it's a matter of how we look at things and the perspective, because a lot of people say, why me, why me? And when you change it, you know, I never thought, <laughs> I never thought that about my brother, like, oh, wow, what a burden. I know I'm going to have to take care of him. I just, I just loved him. I, you know, but I do hear people like, oh my God, why, did, why is this happening to me? Whether it's, you know dealing with um what whatever whatever circumstances are being thrown your way and it's a matter of taking a step and saying what am i supposed to be learning what is here what am i you know taking that that breath and understanding that we're not here for a long time but we're here for a for a good time we're here to learn how to live the good life and the good life is about serving is about helping others it's about using our gifts and finding our way to live at the highest expression of ourselves but if we're constantly looking at things like oh why is this happening to me you don't understand the part that this is part of the human experience is that things are going to be happening for you to help you build muscles and I had a good call yesterday. One of my friends, one of these top moderators here in Clubhouse, uh, just called to check in. He's a he's a really funny guy, and you know, I'm like, "How's it going? You, you're killing it. I love your rooms. Like, just really, really great, uh, great conversation." And he he said to me, "So, you know, sometimes I get really triggered by X, Y, and Z, and I don't like how it, things escalate." And I get very, very frustrated. And I said, you do understand that the universe is putting you through these tests, these obstacles, these courses, because it has big plans for you. And you are learning how to modulate your emotions, your temperament and recognize triggers. So as your career amplifies, your profile amplifies, there's new levels, new doubles, you need to have that fortitude to restrain yourself to have emotional and intellectual control that that so that you can handle more press more opportunity more exposure i'm like the universe is guiding you to higher ground and it was like i could feel the air go into his lungs like you are so right i'm like just know the next time you feel your blood boiling that the universe is gearing you up for bigger and better opportunities, but you got to build these muscles. You've got, and the only way you build a muscle is that you have to have it broken down. And sometimes we just don't see it. We see things in this like distressed and that we've also been taught that. So I want to give everybody that recognition too. You've been taught how to perceive adversity in your life it, by others around you, teaching you the language and how to internalize things that are going on. I'll use an example, um, getting pulled over for speeding. And when I get pulled over speeding, I'm like, rut row. And I don't, uh, I never get, I never, I have a, I have such a heavy foot and my kids laugh. They're like, mom, you've gone three weeks without a ticket. Like, we're so proud of you. And all that. I don't know what my problem is. I don't know what my, I, I do know what my problem is. I'm just always, I should have been a race car driver but I never get mad when I get pulled over because I know I have a decision. It is me, I am the owner of that car. I am driving the car, I am speeding. I get If I get the ticket, I have to take the ticket. And I've been in circumstances where people rage, rage, because they got the ticket. I can't, bu- rage. I'm like, but you were speeding. Now we are taught how to respond to adversity in our life. But we can also change how we handle adversity. And we can take that beat and be like, you know what? I was speeding. Sorry about that, officer. Every time I get pulled over, I am the night. I am, I'm just night. I am like, sorry. <laughs> do you know what you were doing? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. And do I, I, you know, so I just wanna share that because I think I wanna give everybody an opportunity to take inventory of things happen to you and you don't always control that but you can control your response to it and it is you know you have a lot of um control over your destiny by making better decisions and living at the highest expression of yourself so you know barb um, yeah you you
3: why why don't you just tell them hey you're going as fast as i am
2: (laughs) I, (laughs) I every time i get pulled over and i am telling you and my kids are like, mom, and thank God I have two drivers now. I have a 16 year old and an 18 year old. And I'm like, you know, I think it's time for me to, to be a passenger at this point. And if you guys speed, I'm going to smack you on the back of the head. You know, I, I've um,
3: been, I've been so lucky in my life. So,
2: Oh, I think David's, David's taken a call. Um, <laughs> who else wanted to jump in there?
1: Real, real quick, Barb, I wanted to share this because I don't know if anybody's ever read this, but there, there's, a, there's a great book by Ryan Holiday called um, The Obstacle is the Way. And we're talking about obstacles right now, right? So there's this interesting story that he tells in the book about uh, th- this king that was incredibly frustrated with how entitled and, 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 and lazy his, his people had become. So he, right in the middle of this main road to get to the, the kingdom, he sets up this huge obstacle, this huge boulder. And he sits and waits and he watches as his his people, uh, people that work for him, you know, the, the people that actually live in the community, sit there frustrated at the boulder, cursing and, and mad at the king that, you know, he, he didn't get this boulder removed and making excuses. And, and eventually they'd always give up, right? Maybe they were to move it for like, you know, try to move it for a few minutes and then get frustrated and, and leave and walk off. Obstacles in the way, nothing I can do. And they walk off until this peasant comes and walks by and sees it and he's for for hours trying to move this boulder can't do it so he walks up to the the forest and finds a huge stick and uses it as leverage to move the boulder under the boulder he finds uh, a note as well as tons of gold and the note from the king says something like this he said uh, the obstacle in the path becomes the path never forget without every single obstacle uh, with every single obstacle there's an opportunity to improve your condition and and what's funny is we look at obstacles sometimes as this 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 dead stop like there's nothing i could do about it my position in life won't allow me to have x y and z if i only had this and and so with every single obstacle in our way you have an op- a unique opportunity to come up with a unique solution that's to you right if everyone's going down this path but you for some reason for in your life we all have these obstacles that get in front of us if you spend time trying to get around the obstacle that's what true innovation is like is it not right and i think life is more about innovation than it is actually invention it's about looking at these things and going i found a way i uniquely am was served up this obstacle and i uniquely found this, this new path, this new way. And if you do it for long enough, you're able to, you, you're able to find something that's just unique to you, right? Like every great business idea, every great personal triumph, it all usually comes from something doesn't work out.
2: Well, I think that you you always, you can't sometimes see it in the moment, Ray Lim, and it some and then it ultimately presents itself. If we could just have that moment of surrender of like, I don't understand this. And I've had that over and over again around like this is, I am in crazy town and I don't know what the purpose, but I have such, you know, relentless faith that the universe is working for me. I, I just surrender to that belief over and over again in my darkest moments. And this wasn't a dark moment, but I grew up with a twin brother who was incredibly argumentative. And so in our high school, like superlatives, Ben was voted most argumentative. That is my twin brother born, born four minutes after me. And, um... You know, I got, a, a, you know, I, I got a nice little fluffy one. And I, when he would argue with me, I would end up in tears so many times because he was so good. And you can imagine right now, he's an ace of an attorney down in North Carolina. And I would, I fear for the other people on the other side of the courtroom of this. I mean, he is a beast. But what I've come to finally understand is that my ability to stand tall in the face of adversity, my ability to be in a room of men, women, professors, I don't care who is in a room and I do not care who's talking. I do not care what race, religion, creed. I do not care I will engage in a conversation and I am not intimidated by anybody. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care who your mommy or daddy is. And I don't care how many Emmy award wins you've had. I am not intimidated by anybody because of what I was raised with in an environment of like do not back down. You deserve a voice. My, my, I'm one of four and I have three brothers and my dad has a very strong voice, but I was never excluded from conversations. I was never treated like a girl. My, I swear to you, my dad couldn't figure out how to raise a girl if he wanted to. So just treated me like one of the dudes. And at times I'd be like, cut me a break. I'm a girl. And my dad just looked confused. And now in retrospect, I realized my dad was raised with three brothers. So he didn't know any better anyway. So he just treated me like what? One- it And at times it would make me so frustrated. I'm like, why are you like not, you know, why are you not just making things a little easier for me? Make it a little easier for me. I'm a girl. And that's how I used to think. But I was never, it was no accommodations were made for me. The only time my my dad and my brothers made an accommodation, you guys are going to get a laugh. The only time they took stock and I was like, I guess we do have a girl in the mix. And I am a very girly girl, ladies and gentlemen. Was when we go on long car rides, and where they could pull off at the side of the road, this girl cannot. And they would make fun of me because I—they always said I had to go to the bathroom all the time, but I didn't. They just had better resources. But I is like the only time in my upbringing that I was like, uh, okay, well, I have to play the girl card now, and none of you guys can argue against me. But and the the point of this whole story is. In the times where I would be crying and so frustrated, they never moved off their mark because they never knew how to move off their mark. And because of it, it has given me um, such a great, you know, such great confidence and such a, a voice. Like I, uh, You guys can sometimes hear me in the night rooms or some people laugh. They're like, Ben Stock talks over. Ben Stock talks over the girls or whatever. I'll say something. I'm like, Ben Stock talks over everyone. And I talk over Ben Stock all the time. But this all comes from the fact that I had to be challenged. I found it incredibly frustrating. I wanted accommodations. Nobody gave me any. And because of it, you guys know, I probably have one of the biggest mouths here on Clubhouse. <laughs> so I, think, I think That's where I got it from. Ben
3: Stock, we need one other person. <laughs> But I think you and Ben Stock could be the verbal version of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> it's verbal Rochelle.
2: I'll bring in my, I have to bring in my twin brother one day. I have <laughs> to get him on this platform. You guys would be like, oh. oh. <laughs> Anyway, I just want to share that adversity is really a opportunity in disguise to build those muscles that you need. I am telling you, the universe is calling on you to do something big, something amazing. So don't buckle and stay in that fetal position too long because these opportunities have muscles. You have muscles. You got to, you got to tone up. That's all I can say. And, and I want to find rock papers and then we need a scissor. Who's the scissor? <laughs> Oh wait! Hey, Dora, you wanted to take—you wanted to say something, or did anybody else want to take the mic?
5: Can I tap in, Um, Barbara? It's Tanika.
2: Yeah, Tanika. Good morning.
5: Um, This topic really hits for me because when I was—I was a seventeen-year-old teenage mom with a deaf son, and I really didn't know how to handle when he was deaf. I tried to make him speak. You know, being young, you didn't understand that, so I went back to school to learn sign language. And I end up having a love for the deaf, emerged myself into deaf culture, went on all the accessibility boards, and then I was on the big stages, interpreting for Obama, interpreting for different people. At the time, what I'm gonna say is, at the time when I was younger, I didn't know that that's what, where that would take me. Um, learning sign language now is my love, it's my life. I, I'm on all the DNI boards in Toronto, and I, I use my voice to advocate for people who can't Um, so I love the story that you guys, I love this share. I love everything with adversity. I've lived it so I can completely relate to everyone's conversation. I'm Tamika and I land with that.
2: Tamika, I love every time you speak and I learned something new about you and you always bring such great value. I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's something I didn't know and learned today. And it's, I imagine there's so many more, um, so many more directions to go with that story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Did anybody else want to jump in? And then I want to pass the mic to talk about how we can serve with a shortage uh, for infant formula.
6: Awesome. Good morning, Barbara. I'm sorry. Who was that? Uh, This this is Sheila. Go ahead, Sheila. I'll go after you. (laughs) Good morning. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Sheila. Hi. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, I, too, have a story. Um, Nine years ago, my husband lost his sight to uh, gastro, uh, to diabetes. And he also developed a disease called gastroparesis. And when he lost his sight, it was so hard for me at first. And with this gastroparesis, it's, it is a delayed and emptying of the stomach. And for the last nine years, he has been in and out of the hospital because um, his food doesn't fully digest and it's really painful and it causes a lot of vomiting and constant, constant constantly. And so, even just this morning, my son took him to the ER simply because of that uh, gastroparesis. But it, it for me, it has been such a, a actual an inspiration because the way he handles what is going on with him, he always say, "Why not me? Why not I be the one to go through what I'm going through?" And so, what it does for us. Next month on um, June 30th, we would have been married for 32 years. And so what it does for us, it has opened doors for us to be on different panels to just be able to encourage and inspire people who are going through with any type of disability, any, any type of disease that the doctors are saying there's no cure for. Because with gastroparesis, they are saying there's no cure for. And so, I mean, we plan things. We never know what's going to happen because it always flares up anytime. So there are a lot of times we can't do a lot of things that we used to do. Um, and a lot of you may have heard. So it was, it was so funny because almost three years ago, he was the same guy that uh, had a video to go viral. blind man makes free throw. So he shot the free throw. The video went viral. But back in March, he always said, I want to drive. I want to drive. I'm going to drive again. So we're, we live in Texas. We went home to Louisiana. And my sister, she owns a Tesla. And she said, you know what? You've been saying you want to drive again. Here you go. Here's your opportunity. So my sister allowed my husband to get in her car with another sister in there. And we went to a parking space where just no, no, a lot of room. And he drove the Tesla, he just drove and drove. And I even videoed it and recorded it and everything. And so he got an opportunity to do that. He said, okay, y'all better watch out because next I'm flying a plane. And so with his disability, (laughs) he just just encourages people so much. We've been on many platforms. I mean, he's encouraged people. He gets them to see that, you know, although you're going through, there's still joy. you can still choose to have joy, even going through what you're going through. So that helped me out a whole lot to see him take on what he's taking on and the way he sees life. It encourages us all to see life because there are so many more. He said there are so many more people who are off worse than he is. So why does he have to complain? And, and he always said again, like he said, why not me? So it's such an inspiration. So thank you for sharing your story about your brother, because that is an inspiration as well. Still, i love I that could...
3: story i love I that love story that too. but please please make sure you check everywhere check the bulletins to make sure barb majeski is not driving or he's <laughs> driving
2: <laughs> I think me and your, your husband would make a great driving he, he, duo. He, in I, the, I uh...
3: believe, I believe <laughs> Sheila, I, I believe that he could overcome anything but that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love that Sheila. And I can hear the joy in your voice. So thank you for unmiking, sharing your husband's journey and your journey and your son that um, that that just, I know, landed for so many. So thank, thank you. Me. I'm going to take this opportunity to pass the mic to Dora and Maria for the last five minutes, um, because I know you have something to share.
7: Okay, awesome. Um, one of the things I wanted to just also highlight is that sometimes we go through life with blinders on. We don't see what other people are going to go through. And we don't even think in the future, like, especially when I was young, I wasn't thinking what I was going to be doing when I was 20. Right. I was a teenager, but as I was growing up, I I'm girl number three. So my, one of my sisters is a lot older than me. And she had uh, her first two daughters are deaf. So as I started uh, to go to college and just say, Oh yeah, let's go do this with the kids. She would always ground me and say, I can't go to the mall because you can call out to like my other nieces, but I can't call out to my daughters and I'm not losing them in a mall. So we had to adjust things and it just helped me to open my eyes a lot more. And when I do mentor young people, I always try to look at, is there something else that's invisible to the eye that maybe there's a disability that I do not see? So that i do not make them feel less of who they are and so uplifting people has especially young people has always been something that i like gravitated to because of that and my nieces didn't even want to go to high school or college and let me tell you both of them have finished college and they're teachers now they want to get into teaching um especially for the deaf and 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 for children babies and stuff because when they were children My sister wasn't allowed in. They would teach the kids sign language, but they wouldn't teach the parents. And so how was that communication going to work if they're not teaching the parents as well? So Tamika, I I give you so much kudos that you took that upon yourself because they were ignoring the parents. And so now, you know, when I go to Orlando, like that's one of the things we talk about. Um, What programs are we putting together, you know, that we can teach parents how to communicate with their children. And that's something we're working on now is one of my little projects. Um, But it's, again, you don't know what other people are going through and you don't need to live it yourself. But if you can encompass that, that, that thriving and that just that gusto and passion to drive that for them, that is all they need because then they have an ally that is definitely going to push and be and put them in a, in a level of being more resilient than they ever thought they could be as well. So just wanted to, to highlight that, that opened my eyes as I was growing as, uh, into my adulthood. Um, you know, things that ground you in life and sometimes you don't realize it, but if you think about it, even taking care of my grandmother for the last 20 years of her life, like elderly issues are something that i'm very in tune to um even though my grandmother thought she was superwoman half the time i had to like grandma calm down like uh, we can't go to midnight drinking whiskey i mean my grandmother drank whiskey straight from the bottle like literally like on the rocks no coke none of this wishy-washy stuff she said it was uh one of those things that was just really uh funny to to just look at so with that i'll land my plane and um back to you Barbara.
2: <laughs> Oh, thanks, Dora Maria. I, you know what, we're going to put a pin on it. I do know that we had talked about throwing the mic you, um, to talk about how to support the shortage in baby formula. I thought that's Dora. Awesome.
7: And I'll yep. just highlight that as well. Sarah spoke this morning. Um, there is a shortage of baby formula and we shared in the chat and we'll, we'll keep doing that. We'll, we'll Put, uh, we'll keep sharing the links in the chat um, as well, but it's basically uh, check out different ways that you can help. There are different a variety of ways that you can help. It's not just one thing you can do. So some people will be able to just I go just and... Yes, I will, oh there you go. Perfect. Yeah. You can figure out uh, your local food banks in your area where you can donate. They're equipped to really know if the formula that you're don- donating was part of a recall. So that's also very important. Let's not uh, you know donate things to families that are been recalled. So one, you, she wants you to make sure that you gather any extra unopened, unexpired formula. Um, you know, that that way you can definitely donate that uh, to someone. Maybe some people have stockpiled them through the pandemic because they had a baby, uh, duo, uh, et cetera. So you definitely want to make sure you tap into that. Um, look for your local food bank um, as well, because they're going to help to distribute. And even at the very minimum, what you can do is spread the word. Um, so on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, TikTok, any type of social media you have, take advantage of the opportunity that you have to those social media and pass the word on. And the more that we pass on the word, the better it is. Um, We can all help. It doesn't matter if you don't have formula, but you can at least spread the word. And if we can start with that, that would be super amazing. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Dora Maria. And thanks, everyone. The link is now pinned up at the top. And if you can't see it, if you DM any of us um, a baby formula, we will get the link to you and we want to... support every possible way that we can so thank you ladies and gentlemen our hour is up we will see you next monday at 9 a.m eastern standard time 6 p 6 a.m pacific standard time it's me Raylan, david and ben stock who's over on the other side of the pond right now and we're passing the mic